Hello and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus. We are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're glad to have you with us. This month, the month of July, we're looking at the book of Jonah. There are four Fridays in July, and there are four chapters in Jonah. So we're talking about Jonah in July. And in our first segment, when we went through chapter one, we talked about lessons from the storm. And we saw how God caused a great storm, and Jonah was tossed overboard because he was running away from God. The second chapter is a long prayer of Jonah, and it takes place in the belly of the fish. And so we talked about that time, lessons from the belly. And we now turn to chapter 3, and Jonah goes to Nineveh. And so we're going to have in this chapter lessons from the city. As we talk about several things, a lot of neat things. This is a very short chapter, just 10 verses. You can probably read it in less than five minutes. But in this there are some wonderful, wonderful lessons that we want to share with you. Jason's going to read the chapter since it's so short, and then we'll just share some things with you. Sure. So it picks up verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. First and foremost, uh, the the most obvious lesson that that we need to pull out of this, and we're going to pull out some things from the text for you to see, but first and foremost, it is possible to change. Uh, that's, That's the message here. And God wanted to give Nineveh a chance to change, and Jonah preached, the people listened, they believed, and they actually changed. And that's just a powerful, powerful thing. For the first time in this book, we find that this chapter is more about Nineveh than Jonah. Up to this point, 
Uh, the whole lesson's been about Jonah. Jonah ran away. Jonah's thrown overboard. Jonah's in the belly of a fish. Jonah spit up. It's all, it's all about Jonah. But now for the first time, the, the focus is upon the people of Nineveh. Nineveh is called a great city, exceedingly great in verse two and verse three. It's at least three days journey, as it tells us. So, so it's a large, large city as Jonah has gone there to preach. Now, Jason, I want to just, uh, get everybody on the same page here. When we're talking about Nineveh, is Nineveh a city, a country, a continent? What, what What's Nineveh? Yeah, we're talking about a city, obviously a great city, and it is tied ultimately to the Assyrians, right? We've got great world empires that rise throughout the time of the Old Testament. We've got the Assyrians who come to be obviously pivotal in God's disciplining of the northern kingdom of Israel. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about that next Friday, because as we get into Jonah's great displeasure, he doesn't want these people to be forgiven, right? They are growing to be a a mighty empire on the world stage. After them will be the Babylonians, and after the Babylonians will be the Persians, and then the Grecians, and, and so so on, but we're talking about a great city east of where Israel and Judah were. They represented a great military threat, and eventually God would raise them up to discipline his people. We'll talk a little bit more maybe about the irony uh, toward the end of our episode that these people are repenting when God's own people in Israel and Judah are being very hard-hearted. Yeah, and, and what what makes this book stand unique as we think about the minor prophets where this is found is that here God is sending one of his prophets to a pagan nation. Uh, that's that's kind of unique. You know, it, it's easy for us to just get this 32,000-foot view of the Old Testament that all God cared about was Abraham and his descendants and Israel. And if you were Gentile, you were outside of that, God didn't care about you. No, that's this, this book alone shows otherwise. And it shows God's compassion and willingness to forgive even a pagan nation if they would heed to him. Now, in verse 4 is the Sermon of Jonah. And the Sermon of Jonah is eight words in our English Bibles. It's five words in Hebrews. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. There's no indication in this third chapter that Jonah does any miracles. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, Jonah was the living miracle. I, I think his his presence, his appearance, knowing his story, what had happened, I think that was proof enough that this is a powerful God, and if God will do that to one of his prophets, what we better listen to what he says, what he's going to do to us. And so the message simply is you have 40 days and just more than a month, and God's going to overthrow this nation unless you repent. And so that that's the powerful message there that Jonah was to deliver. And in there, there's some things I want us to kind of look at and kind sure. of talk about. One of the first things we, we go back to is how verse 1 is read. Uh, verse 1, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim against it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. That's, that's almost a repeat of what how this book began in chapter 1. And so here's the lesson. When we've been in the far country, 
We've been in the belly of the whale ourselves or the fish. When we come back to God, God doesn't change his message. Yeah. Uh, the message was same for Jonah. God didn't say, well, Jonah, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to have you go to Nineveh this time. I want to have you just go to Israel and talk to Israel. Now, the message remained the same. And so we, we cannot expect a second separate set of rules for us. Don't be thinking that I don't have to do what other people have to do. Uh, God's message is the same. It remains the same. When that prodigal came home in Luke 15, he had run away from his father and lived a, a life of just decadence and ran out of money, came into a famine, became desperate and destitute. When he came back home, his dad didn't say, well, now, you know, I've changed the rules because I want you to stay home this time. No, the father didn't change. It was a prodigal who had to change. And that's a powerful lesson we need to see, that, that when we have been away from God and we come back, God's not changing. It's us who needs to change. Yeah, it, it sure does seem like that is a common thread, especially in the book of Psalms, where you will have David or someone like him acknowledging God, life is hard right now. At times, life is hard because of my own foolishness or rebellion against you. But as you pay attention to the way those people are praying, oftentimes they will acknowledge, this is where I am, but God, this is who you are. Therefore, this is what I'm going to do. At our clearest thinking, we understand, well, whether I have walked with God or not, I cannot change God's nature. I cannot change God's character. In fact, God is not the one who should change. He is the bedrock, right? He is steadfast love and faithfulness. When I have made a mess of things, it is me. It is I who have to do the changing. Great lesson from verse 1. Yeah, so back to Jonah's message in verse 4, a second lesson we see here. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, now that that wouldn't make a great title to put in church bulletin. I mean, that's, you, know, you know, somebody say, hey, hey, come here, our preacher preach. He's going to talk about how we're going to be destroyed. Uh, it's not a positive lesson. And, and the point from this is we do not do anyone a favor when we hide the reality of God's judgment. Uh, God is love, but God also has a wrath to him. God is love, but God also judges. And so, you know, when, when we, when we paint just a one-sided picture of God, that God loves you and it doesn't matter what you do, he's never, ever going to be upset with you. That's not reality. And that's not what the scriptures teach. And we're not helping somebody because they will stay in their sinful condition, believing that, well, God loves me as I am, and I can just stay as I am, and everything is just fine. The truth is, Nineveh is going to be overthrown in 40 days unless they repent. There's a message there that we'd have to see. Yeah, I mean, even the Apostle Paul, on more than one occasion, emphasizes it is time for judgment, and it's going to begin at the household of God. And what is it going to be like for those who are outside the household? Well, I mean, we have Old and New Testament examples emphasizing 
None is righteous. No, not one. To borrow from one of our recent sermons in this Doors of the Bible series, blood has been shed, right? I've got to respond to that blood. I've got to apply the blood of of God's lamb to my life. Judgment is real. The apostles were not ashamed to talk about it. The inspired messengers of the New Testament wrote about it. We are all accountable to God. It is simply a matter of whether we will prepare or not. Yeah, so let me grab a passage at the end of Matthew 25. Let me just read it, and then I'm going to walk through just some simple observations we see here. This is our Lord speaking. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will say to themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then, verse 45, he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but they're righteous into eternal life. Four or five statements I want you to notice from that, from what I just read. Number one, hell is real. Uh, we don't hardly talk about that anymore. Uh, modern church has given up on hell. Uh, everyone believes in heaven, but no one thinks hell exists. Here in one sentence, Jesus puts heaven and hell together. These will go away into eternal punishment, but they're righteous into eternal life. If there is a heaven, there is a hell. If there's no hell, there's no heaven. And so we need to see hell is not just a, a figure of your mind. It's just not a nightmare. When people have a terrible life and they say, well, my life is hell now. No, it's not. While you're alive, you have hope. You have opportunity. You can always obey God. But hell is a place is the absence of God. Secondly, we see it is eternal. It lasts as long as heaven's going to last. Thirdly, it is punishment. It's not a pleasant place. No one would want to go there who has ever really studied the Bible. It is referred to as the second death in the book of Revelation. Number four, it is made for Satan. It's not made for man. Man's not supposed to be there. If you can think about the worst place to put the devil forever, you would make hell. That's what's supposed to be. It's designed to punish the devil and his demons but man who chooses not to follow God will be there, and that's how we see that. Some will go there. It's not God's choice. God doesn't destine that. It's based because we have decided not to live with God. And so we don't tell anybody, we don't help anybody out when we do not tell them that the reality of who God is and the punishment that comes with that. Yeah. Now, the incredible thing, you just highlighted the idea of a choice, right? And the incredible thing about Jonah chapter 3 is so many people hear this warning and they respond. Even the king of Nineveh gets up off of his throne. He takes off his robe. He covers himself with sackcloth. He sits in ashes. This is the fruit of repentance, right? This is not just saying, well, thanks for sharing the warning. We'll take that under consideration or, or even saying, well, okay, we probably need to do something, but we're going to kind of collectively get together and come up with what we're going to 
to do on our own terms. No, this is a living embodiment of humbling myself beneath the mighty hand of God and God sees what they did, how they listened to this language in verse 10. They turned from their evil way. They were headed in the direction of violence, of oppression, abuse. They turned from their evil way and God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. He did not do it. Roger, what can we learn from that? This is probably, you know, uh, a lot of us who've studied the Bible love the story of Acts 2 and 3,000 being baptized. This here is probably the greatest conversion story in all history. A pagan nation, and it didn't take months and months and months to get them there. They they seemed to turn immediately. And what we notice is we notice the fruits of their change. They believed, but that's just what didn't stop there. They fasted. They prayed. They repented. They put on sackcloth. They they had given demonstrations that they were changing. They were not just the way they were. How easy it is to give lip service to say, okay, I'm sorry, and go on your ways. These people showed the conduct had changed. They showed that they were believing in the message of God and what a powerful understanding that is for us. Yeah, a powerful story of conversion, but I, I mentioned the irony, and uh, I'll, I'll close with this. How ironic that these people, this king in Nineveh is willing to do that, where back home in Israel and Judah, you know, Jonah is set somewhere right around 750 BC. Israel has had evil king after wicked king, after selfish king, after rebellious king. They are on the doorstep of being destroyed by, guess who? The Assyrian Empire. Things in Judah are a little better, but they most certainly have their stretch as well of wicked, hard-hearted kings. How sad when people who ought to know better are shamed by the actions of people with good and honest hearts who just recognize, you know what, I'm in the wrong. I'm going to turn, and God's people refuse to turn. Absolutely. And it would be a little bit later on in the book of Jeremiah, which comes a later period as it deals with Babylon, that Jeremiah would talk about how the prophets would preach, but the people said, we will not listen. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they just gave up. Their hearts were closed. And so uh, it, it is a message for us to think about. You know, what, what if this message was directed toward me? Would I, would I have been like the people of Nineveh to say, you know what, I need to change my ways. God has given me an opportunity. God has given me today to make things right with him. Am I doing those things? Jonah in July, lessons from a boat. Lessons from the belly, lessons from the city. We've got one more, Lord willing, next Friday, and we'll wrap this series up. But Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come.